0: Episode number 394 with best-selling author, Jonathan Fields. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro-athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur, and each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Pleasure to introduce to you a really dear friend of mine, someone I've known for I believe seven, maybe eight years now. We met back in Chicago at a blogging conference a while ago. And Jonathan is one of those guys that I'll text or I'll call whenever I'm in a, a, a bind, whenever I'm in a tough spot, either in my business or just mentally or emotionally, I'm going through a challenge. I'll send him a text or I'll give him a call and ask him his advice. He's one of those sound, wise individuals who's been through a lot, seen it all, and always seems to have incredible guided advice. Uh, For those that don't know who Jonathan Fields is, he's a New York City dad, husband, entrepreneur, podcast host, and award-winning author. He founded a mission-driven media and education venture called Good Life Project, where he and his team lead a global community in the quest to live more meaningful, connected, and Vital Lives. His new book, How to Live a Good Life, Soulful Stories, Surprising Science, and Practical Wisdom, offers a gateway to a life of meaning, connection, and vitality. And we got a chance to connect while both of us were speaking at a conference, uh, World Domination Summit, earlier this year. And some of the things we talked about during this interview are the three different buckets that create a good life. So if you don't feel like you have a good life right now, there are three different buckets you need to fill up, and we talk about what those are. Also, why people are seeking belonging so deeply right now and what happens to us when we're not connecting face-to-face with people. The value of choosing which metrics to focus on in your business, why you have to know yourself well in order to be fulfilled This is a big one, guys, and the big differences between in-person relationships and digital ones. Make sure to enjoy this one. I hope you get a lot out of this. Jonathan's been a good friend for a long time, and I know you're going to love this. Make sure to share it with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 394, and to check the full show notes in the video back on the show notes as well at episode 394. And without further ado, let me introduce to you the one, the only, Jonathan Fields. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. From now until March 19th, Whole Foods Market is running their sales event, Taste the Mediterranean. It's a store-wide, flavor-packed journey of regionally-inspired selections. Save on Mediterranean-inspired flavors like Parmigiano, Regano, Charcuterie, and Ground Lamb. Find sales on animal welfare-certified meat. Save on seafood like Whole Bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. Stock up on wallet-happy Mediterranean essentials like Feta Cheese Crumbles and Whole Wheat Pita Pockets, Wines from the Sun-Soaked vineyards of Spain, Greece, and Italy. Start at just $8.99. Must be 21+. Please drink responsibly. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato. So you can switch things up depending on your mood. Look for your favorite flavor next time you're at your grocery store and be prepared to say goodbye to your barista. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. It's foaming delicious. Welcome everyone back to the School of Greatest Podcast. Very excited about our guest, Jonathan Fields in the house. Good to see you, man. Yeah. We are in your hotel room here in Portland, we and um, we're both at a, a conference called World Domination Summit with Chris Gilliboo, a friend of ours who you actually introduced me to a few years ago. And um, having fun, man! It's been a while since I've seen you. It's been, I know, and you're on the tail end of uh, Olympics. the Olympics. A whole bunch of traveling yes, right Leo now, the Olympics, it's like- and it's been crazy. But uh, you've got a book coming out called "How to Live a Good Life: Soulful Stories, Surprising Science, and Practical Wisdom." by Jonathan Fields and uh, it's coming out right now so I want to make sure everyone to go pick up a copy it's an awesome book and why uh, why this book why How to Live a Good Life I actually remember uh, you know talking to you when you came up with this like four years ago I think this whole brand with first a video series website camp events now the book why why did you want to go into this direction where before you were um, doing some other work.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's sort of like this this evolution where. So the book I wrote before this has been almost five years since yeah. I had a book out, and that book was called Uncertainty, and it it won a fairly Is that prestigious. Five years ago, dude. Yeah, it's like wow, that long ago. Crazy. So it so it came out. It was I, I was proud of it. It did well, and it, it won this interesting award from 800 CEO Read, which was. Um, It it was named the best personal development book of the year that came out, and I had this really weird response to it because on the one hand I'm like, this Mm -hmm. is this is awesome, it's it's a really nice honor, yeah, and on the other hand I'm like, I'm not a personal development, guy. (laughs) Like I'm about entrepreneurship and all this stuff, and it's interesting because I had this conversation with a couple of people who know me really well, and they're like, no, but you are that person, Mm -hmm. you know, and you need to actually start stepping into it and owning the fact that fundamentally. What you are about is exploring and examining human potential, like yeah. how we actually live on the planet and get a lot of good stuff out of our time here. And what I've come to realize over those probably four years or so is that I, I am deeply fascinated in entrepreneurship and the world of business building. And, but, um, and this is kind of a more recent sort of realization for me is that my deeper interest is in how. Like entrepreneurship, for example, it's really cool to help people bring things to life. I know mm-hmm. you do a lot of this too, right? But what's actually even more interesting to me is how like the, the, the process of entrepreneurship, the gauntlet of entrepreneurship changes the entrepreneur. You know, it's this amazing canvas for the development of human potential. And what I start to realize about myself is that that's actually probably the deeper fascination for me. Mm. And I've kind of been saying, well, you know, couching it in terms of entrepreneurship and business right. because it's like – it's a way that I feel like I can legitimize myself yeah. Um, rather than just saying actually fundamentally I'm about exploring deeply the human condition and how yeah. we live better in the world. I'm like, you know what? At a certain time, um, you just got to step into who you are. So it's not – I'm not walking away from that side of myself. But it was kind of like it's time to stand in the fact that this is actually an essential part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And we've been – so Good Life Project emerged as not just a media company, but it was an attempt for me to go out and find these teachers who embodied elements of really living a good life and then sit down with them and learn from them you know so over the years it's it's similar to what you do right with sort of like people around performance and expertise yeah. and mastery you know for me it was like this broader exploration of what are the pieces of the puzzle um and and it was really it was kind of like it was time yeah you know <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, was it 15 years ago you opened a yoga studio, right? Yeah. It the was the day two, before or day after 9-11 two, or?
1: 2001, I signed the lease for a Florida building in New York City, um, the day before 9-11. Go crazy. Yeah. I mean, married, had a, had a new home, three month old baby. Um, and I, I committed to literally like a six year lease for a Florida building in Hell's Kitchen, New York City. And woke up the next morning. Before
0: 9 yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Literally the day before 9 Life is
0: good. Everything's right. smooth. Right. I'm, I'm about to do
1: this incredible thing, right? <laughs> and build what I hope would be sort of the premier yoga center. Uh-huh. Before yoga city.
0: was getting yeah.
1: super popular. Yeah. And- this was like, you know, there were nuggets of it. And there were definitely a handful of great studios around the city. But I wanted to sort of take things to a different level. I came out yeah. of the world of business before that. Yeah. So I was looking at this from a different lens. And, this uh, was
0: pre Lululemon, yeah, yeah, and it's like none crime, of that stuff pre- like yeah. Yoga
1: Works, yeah. And what I knew was back then. Most people like yoga. I I had been practicing yoga, and I knew that it can make a really big difference. But you ask your average sort of person who came from my background out of like you know in the middle years, you know, like unfit, sedentary, unflexible, and kind of like hesitant about all things woo woo mm-hmm. to go to like the average yoga studio that was around then. Yeah. And, you know, she so take like a 40-something-year-old dude who walks in like, okay, step number one, take off your shoes. Step number two, you know, sort of like it, it's
0: in prayer mode or something. Right. Like <laughs> you know,
1: like, and you're you're very often surrounded by incense, yes. you know, so it's a Candles little bit weird. And, yeah. and then there's, there'd be a whole bunch of chanting and a, a Dharma talk in class. And it was it was terrifying for a lot of people. And I came to love that myself. Mm. But I also knew that. Most it, it pushed away so many people. So the idea yeah. with that was like, can we preserve the power of the practice and build a community and a company that, per, that, that lower barrier to participation so that anybody could walk in the doors and actually feel really like, like I'm okay here. I yeah. mean, and we went to the level of even, you know, a lot of our students were, are, are women and still in the yoga mm. world that the vast majority of people who practice and go to studios are, are women. And I know that women tend to suffer a much higher level of scent-triggered migraines. So one of the things we did was actually we didn't have incense because I wanted even like on those like any any way I could remove a barrier to somebody coming. You know, we went there, but that was kind of like my first foray into business meets lifestyle slash movements slash or like my my that deeper interest in like how do we develop the person,
0: how do we develop a, a better life, yeah, how do we have a good life, or yeah. you know. And you did that at the perfect time, it sounds like, with 9-11, right? Well, yeah. I mean, yes yes, and no. Like, looking back,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I woke up the next morning like everybody else who's a you know, long-time New Yorker. I was horrified. And, and, you know, we lost somebody that day as well. Wow. Um, and uh, But there was a moment that happened after that where, you know, so we literally – and I remember this so clearly. We It's we, so my wife, uh, me, and a three-month-old baby in a little, like, car seat jumped in a car, drove up to the house of, um, you know, the person who we knew was actually working on the top floor of one of the towers and we we're all kind of like, you know, holding vigil at his wife's house. It was, you know, also wow. a friend of ours and there were a whole bunch of people. At the end of that day, you know, nobody really knew what was going to happen, who was going to come home. Everybody left and it was just uh, my wife, my, my kid and her and, and, um, and they went up to put one of the kids to sleep. They had two little kids a nine month old two and a half year old. And they asked me if I would go upstairs and, and read to the two and a half year old. And I can remember walking up the stairs and just opening the kid's door. And here's this two and a half year old boy sitting in bed, you know, like half tucked with a book on his lap, you know, and in the back of my mind, I'm starting to get the idea that his dad is never coming home.
0: It's that nice, and like yeah. my
1: job just that night is just to spend a few minutes like reading this way. He has no idea who I am. Right. To just try and make something somewhat okay for these like few moments before he goes to bed that night. Wow. Knowing that the rest of his life was gonna be really different. And driving home from there, I was like, you know, I'd have a decision to make, you know, this is a terrifying time. You know, am I gonna launch a business into a sea of pain? Um and you know, potentially put my family at risk. But the flip side was, man, my, my friend didn't go to work that morning expecting not to come home. Mm-hmm. Like we got one pass through. And, and I thought I was going to do it, the city was never more in need of a, a business that was built around a community that was built around healing, mm-hmm. you know, so we went forward with it. And eight weeks later, we opened this thing and, uh, you know, had to change a lot of the way that we opened and launched right. just to be super respectful, but flourished really, really quickly because we were serving this really deep need. And it was an amazing, amazing window in time to be in New York city serving um a deep and profound healing need Mm -hmm. um when people are literally wandering around and a day is just trying to find people to be with where they could just find a little bit of stillness a little bit of solace so yeah that was sort of like one of the it's probably very likely like you could probably trace the beginnings of this book back to right around that that moment yeah what were you doing before that I was a lawyer in a past life. That's <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I came out of law school. I was the entrepreneur, like I was a lemonade stand kid, right? Yeah. Like you were the athlete, I was the lemonade sure. stand kid. And uh, but I made like this kind of like left turn and ended up going to law school. I was really fortunate, did well in law school, and had some great opportunity coming out. So I was in a big firm, you know, in doing New York. in New York City. Yeah. You know, great job, the power job, wearing, you know, wearing fancy suits. Doing huge deals is doing like mergers and acquisitions and security. And, um, but even in that job, there was a moment where I barely slept and barely came home for three mm. weeks and I ended up in emergency surgery because I literally, I, my immune system basically cratered yeah. and an infection, huge infection brewed in the middle of my body and ate a hole through my intestines from the outside in. Wow. Sent me into surgery. I came out, knock on wood, everything was fine. But you know when your body rejects your career, yeah, at some yeah. Part, it's you like, got to make a change. Yeah, you got to listen. And uh, did you change I, pretty quickly, or did you? It just, took me. I I I probably made the decision then. Like I knew at that mm-hmm. moment in time, I was like, "All right, this is killing me. It's not working." Right. I stopped doing all the stuff that kept me okay, like my practice, my exercise, my all the stuff I love. Yeah. I wasn't doing at all. And at the same time, I looked down the road, and this was probably the bigger thing. And I was like, "Okay, all the people that have the job that supposedly I'm working towards." Do I want that? Like, do, if I look at their lives, do I want More to live time that life? Working, yeah. And the answer was no. It was like a crystal clear no. And that was a moment where I was like, all right, there's, i if I truly love this path and I have friends that do and, and mm-hmm. are still in it, I would be like, all right, I'll figure out how to be okay and work this hard. Yeah. But I didn't, you know, so that was a moment where I was like, all right, I'm on my way out. But even then it took me the better part of a year. To take that journey right. out because I had a lot invested in my journey to date, and I had to kind of figure my next step. But my next step was making twelve bucks an hour as a personal trainer. Really? Yeah.
0: So personal <laughs> trainer before yoga. Yeah.
1: So I, I like the first step out because I reconnected. I trained as a gymnast for the first huh. half of my life competitively, and I love movement and exercise. Yeah. And um, and I Still looked at do the, a backflip. No. (laughs) I'm a trampoline You probably can. Can you? Yeah. Yeah, I figured, right? Um, I'm like like a springboard. Yeah. Um. But I was, I wanted to, I want to go back and connect with that and, you know, you blend entrepreneurship with fitness and movement and, um. and I want to, and I looked at the fitness industry and I started reading a lot of the data and sort of getting into like the industry research and. You know, truth is it's relatively disastrous when you really understand Mm -hmm. the business model. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an industry that where 80 to 85% of adults in the U.S. won't join or stay members of clubs and billions of dollars of marketing have been thrown at it over the years. And part of the challenge is because the fundamental model is designed in a way which maximizes revenue per square foot rather than actually serves the outcome driven and sort of like social needs of the Mm. people who are in the facility. So, so my goal was like, let me figure out a better mousetrap. Let me figure out where the breaks are. So that's why I didn't want to start in, in management. I started as a personal trainer making twelve bucks an hour because I want to know what's happening. Understand like, it, yeah. On the the most basic level, like where the breakdowns, what's working, what's not. Then shortly after, I opened my first facility, which is like a a smallest like five thousand square foot high end training center. Huh. And, uh, yeah, I don't even know if you know this, like I part of the story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we grew that, um, like a that.
0: one-on-one personal person training. Yeah. yeah. So
1: we grew that, um, after about two and a half years, sold my stake in that company, I had a partner and into mm-hmm. an investor group. And, um, but we were doing in pretty short order. We were surrounded by like two massive gyms on either side and we were crushing them. From uh, like a, a training revenue standpoint, right. in a month we were doing more than the average big box gym was doing in a year. Wow in terms of you know, like training revenue and stuff like that. And it was largely because my whole goal was just like how do I serve and delight on a profound level? and how do I really understand the psychology of what people need to get out of this? And a lot of it was built around community and deliverable outcomes um, rather than just locking people into long-term commitments.
0: Right. The result. Focusing on the results. Yeah. Focusing on how to live a better life. How yeah. Life.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that, um, that emerged really quickly is this idea that um, we are like beasts that have to belong. And, so that you know, when you walk into a lot, you know, so where do you find belonging these days? It used to be at work, but a lot of people don't find it there. It used to be in faith-based organizations. A lot of people are running from those places. Right. Local trade organizations and leagues a lot of those things are going away now. So a lot of people are walking around in like deep pain because we literally have to belong to survive. But the places we used to find that belonging are going away fast or they're just not providing it anymore. So I somehow understood early on that part of what we needed to do is solve for fitness, but part of what we need to do is solve for belonging for connection. Mm. And so we built fierce communities, um, and that alone was a game changer for people, and that's a lot of what I've still continued to sort of explore i mean it's like what you're doing with school of greatness yeah. right you're not just this isn't just a podcast right I mean you've got a global community here that's like profoundly connected, yes you know and it's a huge part of
0: why you're you're just exploding because you're you're building something bigger right now, how did you build community into um a fitness gym or a fitness studio?
1: yeah, so I mean obviously people are coming and going right, but so, it, like, on a couple of different levels. One, we really established like I focused on culture. I was like, "What are we about? You know, like, this is what we believe." You know, and and so from the the most fundamental touch points, and it's like, here's our guiding philosophy. And it's like, community matters. People really matter. We're about cultivating relationships as much as we are about improving somebody's fitness or helping them lose weight or improve their, you know, cardiac risk, you know, disease. Uh, so, so from there, then you start to build policies around it. So, like, mm-hmm. when somebody Really simple example that makes a really big difference. When we had the yoga center in New York City, um, at some point we started to, you know, computerize all the front desk stuff, and we gained the ability to actually give everybody little, little key tag swipes so they could swipe in and just like, you know, boom, just you just swipe and go into class, and nobody would have to talk to anybody at the front desk. I literally ordered a box of those. We didn't. Yeah, you know, had the system set up and ready to go. And when they came, I was like, this is this is against what i stand (laughs) for because what it's going to redo it's going to remove that one human touch point where somebody Mm -hmm. says you know like hey lewis it's so awesome to see you again today can i check you into class and most people think that's a tiny little thing but it's actually huge because it makes somebody Mm -hmm. feel like like they actually know me like this is actually yeah this is a community like i belong you know it's like it was interesting so i know you're tuned into this because when we walked out last night to grab uh to grab a green drink we walked out the door and the guy who opened the door, you're like, Hey, Carlos, what's up, man? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? You notice stuff like this and yeah, you yeah. care about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and the thing is everybody does, but, um, you're keyed into it in a way that I think the, the need to actually like identify and connect with people. Yeah. Most of us are disconnected from that. We just walk around in pain I and mean, we don't understand that a big part of that pain is actually coming from the fact that we, we feel isolated, mm-hmm. even if
0: we're surrounded by people. Yeah. Especially more and more with social media. Yeah. Our phones and everything. I've recently joined the world of home ownership, and one thing I've learned is that there's so much more freedom with what I can do with my home, but also so many more decisions to make. Figuring out where to start on big projects like a complete room makeover can be overwhelming, but with Crate & Barrel's free interior design service, a design pro can provide design and styling help for projects big or small. Whether you're redesigning your living room, choosing a new dining room table and chairs, or even just styling a bookshelf, work one-on-one with a design pro who will work Work with existing furnishings, and help you choose new ones. Get 2D layouts and even 3D renderings so you can actually see your space to help you decide. Did I mention it's free? Yes. Having fun exploring the possibilities of what you can redesign or have the design desk help. Go to crateandbarrel.com or your local store to make an appointment with the Crate and Barrel Design Desk. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of just you. For instance, the song you stream over and over again while you're in your 13th hour of gaming at 4 a.m. in the morning with all the lights off trying not to wake up your roommates, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are the best to listen to on your way to the gym and back, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you, makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan that you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. You know, I think the key to the success is relationships, you know, and the key to successful relationships is intimacy, being vulnerable or connecting yeah. with those people, not just saying I have a social media friend, but connecting. Yeah. So I like that. And, you know, it's interesting that you removed that element, such a small thing that people would think that would be more convenient for people is actually right. what pushes them away from you probably even more. Yeah. And it did. Like, it made the process less efficient. Yeah. No doubt yeah. about it. There's people backing up. There's, yeah. you know.
1: He no doubt about it. But at the same time, it made it more human. Uh-huh. And that's like, for me, it's like you choose your metrics. You know, was my metric going to be efficiency or was, was my metric going to be elevating community and humanity? Mm. You know, and I had, there was a clear answer. You know, it's like, um, in a recent conversation, probably a couple years ago now with Seth Godin, who we both know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were talking about scaling. He's like, I got one metric trust. All I care about is scaling trust. You know, it's like people focus on likes or money or this or that. Right. As not come on scale, trust. Mm. You know, so it really so much of it comes down to what are the metrics that we want to focus on, and then build around. And for me, it was human connection. You know that yeah. that is just so important. That's cool.
0: Well, in the book, you talk about three buckets to how to live a good life. What are the, what are the buckets? And connection is community or connection is one of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and, and I want to just like create, there are so many, it's funny, like for me to write a book called how to like live a good life, mm-hmm. you know, like, so, who am I? Yeah, right, sure. <laughs> you know, it's like thousands of years of philosophers, <laughs> sure, and sure. great sages and thinkers. So, and, uh, what, but what I realized is, is that, you know, all I have are my stories and my lens mm-hmm. and. And and the question for me was if we've known everything there is to know for thousands of years, why are we still not okay in the world? Why are we hurting? Yeah. So and 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 I think a big part of it is because um it's the models, it's the way that, that what we know is conveyed. It's not conveyed in a way which is like really simple, straightforward. You hear it once, you remember it. And the other thing is it's so simple that it's it's almost impossible not to act upon it. Like, it's got to be actionable in somebody's Mm -hmm. lives who's a grown-up, who's busy. Like, you can't ask somebody to just constantly blow up their lives and walk away from everything. Because your average person in the middle years isn't going to do that. They would rather live the rest of their lives miserable than than suffer the pain of blowing it up and starting over. Mm -hmm. You know, And you can certainly debates on both sides of that. But that's just the truth on the ground. So I wanted to just create a really simple model where somebody would hear it once. They're like, yeah, that makes sense. And they would understand every day how to do a little something. So that over time, it wasn't about big disruptive moves. It's like, there's a little something I can do today, and then tomorrow, and then tomorrow. And then over a couple of weeks or months, you kind of like, stuff is actually better. Right. And I didn't even really have to try. So the idea of the buckets was, look, life is fundamentally about filling three buckets. Connection, we've talked about. Love and belonging to your relationship, Right. Between other people, friends, lovers, family, colleagues, um, source, you know, if that's something mm-hmm. which is meaningful to you, the natural environment or the physical setting you're in. So that's connection is one bucket. Second bucket is vitality. It's the state of your mind and body. And to me, to actually try and explain those as two different things is just ludicrous. You know, mind and body are a hundred percent one universal feedback mechanism. You can't work with one without affecting the other. Yeah. So it's optimizing around a lot of mind and body, which you know, like you kind of become a master at. Um right. and then the third one is is what I call contribution, and that's really about how are you bringing your gifts to the world? You know, are are you are you moving into the world in a way where there's meaning and a sense of purpose, where you feel lit up, where you feel like you you know your strengths and your values and your beliefs. And you are 100% stepping into them every day with what you do. And when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you're like, yeah, like that, I feel good about how I spent my time on the planet
0: Meaningful work, yeah. Yeah. Contributing and living in service. You know, one of the, I think Tony Robbins said that the key to fulfillment is growth and contribution. Yeah. If you want to feel fulfilled, you need to be doing one of those two things, if not both of them. You need to be growing, learning, you know, in your own personal life then also serving other people. It could be your family, your community, the world. It could be anything, but you got to be in service in some way. Yeah, totally.
1: And I think you also like, you need to feel like you're being fully utilized. Yeah. You know, there's, we we did a survey. I want to say it was like a year or two back now. And, and it was kind of asked me, I can't remember the exact question. It's like, Um, do you feel like you're leveraging, like you, you're actually accessing your full potential. And we had a whole bunch of different things that were potential pain points for people. And the number one pain point was a feeling of, I know that I have so much more, but I can't figure out how to close the gap between the potential that I'm leveraging every day and the potential that I know deep down I have, like, I can't figure out how to close that gap. Um, and a lot of it has to do with, with self-ignorance, with just not knowing yourself well enough mm-hmm. to understand what matters to you. Like, what do you actually know, believe matters in this world? You know, because you can't be intentional. You can't wake up in the morning and do what matters if you don't know yourself well enough to understand what matters to you. You don't know yourself well enough to understand, like, what are your actual strengths? Like, what do you believe in the world? You know, so how can you decide to do more of that if you don't actually know what it
0: is? So how do you find out what you believe? And what if your beliefs change? When you learn new things, you're like, yeah. "Oh, what I thought I I lived in this religion my whole life, and I realized, like that stuff is not what I believe anymore." Yeah, there are totally. Certain things, you know, my whole life's a lie now. You yeah, know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, and and it's it's there there there's sort of
1: like this interesting split, right? There are certain things which you probably consider more like on the level of a trait. It kind of is what it is. You know, it's like, you know, you're a tall dude. Uh-huh. You're going to be a tall dude your whole life. Yes. You know, you've got a certain color of eyes. Um, but there are also certain, certain internal traits. Um, and so th- things like strengths where there's been a ton of research and exploration around them. Increasingly, a lot of people would now argue in the research world that you kind of have, you know, your strengths and they're, you can definitely help build strengths but they're relatively stable you know over the the period of your life Mm -hmm. you know so it's really important to understand them, and they're great short and fast assessments that you can use to actually figure that out these days and then say okay i want to leverage these as much as i can like when i'm out there doing my work in the world beliefs is the other thing those change right i mean you know um i my belief system now is profoundly different than it was Ten years ago, really? and ten years before that, like what I believe matters to me, what I believe is you know about what's possible and what's not possible, is hugely different. You can change beliefs, you can snap beliefs, you can change them in a heartbeat. You think
0: that's a good thing or a bad thing if our beliefs change every? I think
1: it's a great thing. ten years or I, whatever. I think know. it's an awesome thing. I think I think the moment that you lock yourself into certainty about your beliefs is the moment that you stop growing is the moment where you, Milton Glaser had this amazing conversation with who's one of the most iconic living designer. And at one point, I mean, he has designed some of the most incredible things on the planet. You may not know his name, but you know something that he's created. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, like, certainty is a closing of the mind. The moment you are certain, the moment like you lock down the possibility that something might be different or you might believe differently in the future is the moment that you stop asking questions. It's the moment where curiosity ends. It's the moment where where un- the uncertainty that's necessary for possibility to emerge in your life vanishes. Because if you're certain about something, then you stop exploring anything beyond that, right? And and the moment you stop exploring, there's no possibility in your life mm. anymore. Your life starts going sideways. Man, I don't know about you or like your listeners. I'm pretty sure about you. I'm pretty sure probably about your listeners too, but I'm not here to go sideways. Yeah. You know?
0: What if your beliefs are already pretty solid for like – yeah. You've got really solid beliefs. Yeah. It, it's, it's, so part of what. Why change them? You know, if already you're living a good life with these beliefs.
1: Well, so, but that's the second part of the, of like what you were just saying is a really thing, right? So if you are an, indeed living a good life with your beliefs, no reason to change them, mm. right? But the question you gotta ask is like when somebody's like, well, this is what I believe, I believe and I'm pretty sure I'm right and it's all good and it's given me the life that I have. You know, the next question is, well, how's that working for mm, you? Right. Like, are you actually sitting here living a good life? You know, like, do you have these beautiful, deep, and enduring relationships? Are you doing meaningful work where you feel like you're fully leveraging, utilizing the world? Are you connected to source and people? Or is your like, are you vibrant? Like, are you radiating health? You know, because if somebody says, I'm locked into my beliefs, and they're good, they're viable, solid beliefs, and that's how I live my life according to those beliefs, and you can point to major you know, places in their lives that are relatively disastrous, right? Something's got, something's not working. Yeah. You know, so part of the process I think sometimes with, with if you have that conversation with somebody is literally ask them, you know, to, not from like an arrogant little house that working standpoint, but just like, how's that actually working for you? Like, that's, that's cool. Like if you have these beliefs and they've been with you for life and you feel like you're actually really living the life that you're, you want to live and you're meant to live. Go for it. Right. Keep them. Right. But if you're not, something's got to change. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's like I say in the book, like, I'm, I'm not asking for anybody to buy into anything. You know, the only thing that I ask anybody for is to be open to the possibility that there might be another story, another truth. You know, something else that they can do out there that mm-hmm. might allow them to be better in the world. Yeah. You know, and then try it. And I'm not a huge fan of just, like, leaning into what anybody tells you on pure faith. It's sure. Like, run an experiment. That's right. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let your personal experience tell you whether your belief is still valid or whether something's got to change. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, you talk about how to fill the buckets up, right? Yeah. You, you go through each chapter on how to fill them up. What is How does someone fill up the the connection and the community bucket right now with just this overwhelming amount of I need to generate more following on social <laughs> media and constantly on their phones? How does someone get away from that when it's the source of their business?
1: Yeah, is,
0: it, is it's so digital connection, right? you know.
1: Yeah, it, it's such an interesting question. We're moving from just hanging out like this, like mm-hmm. we are now, to always having a screen between us, mm-hmm. nonstop, you know. And on the one hand, it's not a bad thing because a lot of really great relationships can start
0: absolutely digitally. Have, for me, too. Yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, and but but the relationship never really happens to me on the level that it mm-hmm. can happen until I'm in a room with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it continues almost entirely digitally after that, it's different if I've actually spent yes, some time face-to-face. Absolutely. Part of what happens when you put a screen in front of somebody is that, and there's really interesting research that's been done, um, Sherry Turkle out of MIT and some other people, is that um it removes empathy from the conversation, you know? And so we stop actually having empathy with somebody else. You know, it sort of, it creates a level of not just anonymity, but like... Um, so a lot of conversation happens in the digital space and it's what they call asynchronous, meaning it's not just you know, like we're not just talking and like a, we can look at each other and the conversation happens in real time. It's like you get a text or somebody snaps or whatever it is and you got to respond to it and you're thinking like you actually take a couple of seconds to think about how am I going to formulate like what should I say, right? Mm. And when you do that. You're always going to present sort of cleaner, better right, version version of yourself when you do that. And the problem is, it removes those moments of real time vulnerability, and like those, like those, just mini snapshots of vulnerability of like your dorkiness or geekiness or whatever it is that really makes you you. When those leave the conversation, that those are the most profound. Those are like those are the moments where where you connect on a level that blows apart like the shiny, happy self that you tend to show other people when there's a screen in between them. You know, um what's kind of interesting about Snapchat to me is that it's almost become a, 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 a like a step back into that place of like being totally vulnerable. I think yeah. maybe because a lot of people know it goes away, right? So when I look at, you know, like the way that my daughter uses Snapchat, like her and her yeah. friends, like... They're you know like sharing all sorts of like crazy silly like dopey pictures like yeah, yeah. hyper vulnerable yeah
0: Bad all angles, the time like
1: whatever yeah right and and that's kind of like become the ethos yeah. on that particular platform whereas but almost every other one it's all it's almost always real, yeah exactly real. yeah exactly and that kind of kills your ability to connect on that deeper level where it's like I'm struggling today man or I'm a, a bit of a weirdo or mm-hmm. I'm different than you in this way or like I just made a mistake you know those are the moments where the most profound relationships take root, you know, even on a personal level, you know, mm-hmm. like one-to-one with a partner in life, you know, if the conversation always stays at the level, of like, well, tell me about the good stuff that happened to you today, right? <laughs> you know, and, and, and tell me about the bad stuff too, but tell me how, you know, tell me in a good way, yeah, right. right? Don't, I don't want any of the mess. Mm-hmm. That's not a relationship,
0: yeah.
1: you know? So when you allow for that stuff to happen, that's where the really juicy stuff happens. And, um, and so much, so often, technology takes a lot of that away, or just enough of it away, that it strips away what's really awesome yeah. about the relationship. Um, and and there's an argument to be also that it it deludes you into thinking that you actually are connecting with a lot of people, and stops you from then going out and having those real face to face or deeper conversations mm-hmm. that make a real difference. Um, but so I'm not like anti technology. I mean, we're sitting here right now, and there's a lot, a lot of technology happening between us. Um, but I think it has its place and very often it's place is to find people who you think would be really well aligned with you, mm-hmm. start a conversation and then as soon as you can, like take it real time. Yeah. Um, cause that's where the magic really happens. And, and, and the flip side is also, you know, we talked about individual connection, but also community, you know, building, being part of something bigger than you, where you feel like there's shared values and beliefs and aspirations is really important to us. Um, and so how can people find that? So yeah, through their
0: hobbies, through
1: yeah, I mean, for like again, it, it, this goes back to first you got to do a little bit of work to know yourself, <laughs> right? You know, right? And that's why you know you have so many freshmen show up in college and they join everything on the planet, <laughs> right. And they come home at the end of the freshman year and they they feel alone and isolated, right? Uh-huh. And it's not because they haven't tried and they're not they're surrounded by people all day every day, right. It's because they actually never just hit pause long enough. To do a little bit of work to learn about themselves enough to actually know, well, this is what needs to be in place. Like, I want to join a club where you know, like everybody's, you know, like there's their their social wiring is a little bit quieter, you know, and they want to, you know, like they're kind of into art and they really dig nature, and um, they have deep philosophical conversations. Rather than I want to join you know, like a fraternity where it's all about partying, people are, like really extroverted and social. Not that, mm-hmm. that that's every fraternity, but right. you know. To know which of those things is right for you, you got to know yourself first. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just, we don't do that work. And it's actually not, um, to just get at least a baseline level of knowledge about like who we are and what we care about doesn't take that much work. Right. It just takes a willingness to go a little bit deeper into ourselves before we try and actually go out into the world and find, like, involve ourselves with relationships and communities that actually resonate. With who we really are, rather than the facade of who we think we should be. Mm-hmm.
0: And how we find ourselves? Yeah. What's
1: like a- uh, asking questions? Um, you know, there are, there are a set of baseline assessments that we've used in different programs that we've run, and stuff like that. Like uh, we've used for you know, strengths, for example. Yeah. You know, there are two big assessments. One, the Strengths Finder, yeah. which a lot of people know. There's probably a lesser known one called the VIA um, Strengths Assessment, and that that actually is really heavily researched and came out of the world of positive psychology. Mm-hmm. And so both of these things generally, they'll give you, you take a questionnaire there, take, a, take 20 test. minutes, yeah, yeah. right? And they'll give you a list of like 20 to 25 strengths. And your top five are generally the ones which really are the heartbeat of the things. and But they're different also. Like the via strengths is more about your your virtues, you know, and whereas StrengthsFinder would probably be more apt to describe them more along the lines of like your talents or your gifts. But either way, the idea is once you have a sense of these things, like can you move through your day in a way where you're leveraging them as much as you possibly can. Cause when you build your life around your ability to leverage those things, rather than spend all of your time trying to fix what's wrong, mm-hmm. a lot of what's wrong starts to drop away. Yeah. And you feel like really empowered. Same thing when it comes to, you know, like your values and beliefs, you start asking questions. Like the most fundamental question, like the question you start with is, what's important to me? You know, and then your first line answer is going to be something like, well, family or money or power or, you know, cars, whatever it may be. You know, a lot of people stop there. Like, let me just, what are my top five there? And that's going to give you really shallow answers, which is going to give you really shallow life. You know, so then you ask the next question. You essentially keep asking that question. Well, of these things, like, why are they important? Mm -hmm. You know, and then why are they important? You keep asking the why question until you get down to like a deeper emotional level of why these things matter. So it's not hard, but sometimes it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we don't do the work. You know, I know over the last few years, and like we've been friends for a while now, mm-hmm. you've gone deep. Real deep. On a personal yeah, yeah. level. You know, mm-hmm. like you, to see what you've gone, like to see the depth that you've like learned yourself, mm-hmm. it's kind of stunning. Mm-hmm. And so much of the, of the shifts that you've made in your professional life and your personal life over the last three years, you know, have been an outgrowth of just a, Deep process of self-discovering really knowing yourself on a level that when we first met like your level of self-knowledge and the way you bring yourself to the world is so different Mm. you know it's like it's palpable and i think people feel that they respond to it
0: yeah you know the funny thing is, I feel like I'm just getting started, you know? Yeah, totally. It's like, oh man, there's so much more to discover, you know? Yeah. When well, I feel like I figured something out. It's like, no, you haven't figured anything
1: out. Right, you know? right. You always hit that threshold. Where you're like, I think I have it dialed in. Like, the next step is like, I know nothing. I know,
0: it's the worst. <laughs> Completely ignorant. <laughs> it's like. It's good, though, to keep questioning your beliefs and values and make sure that you're doing what works for you and the world. Yeah.
1: You know? And it's like, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, like, is, is to be open you know and and i look at things like this as okay this is my snapshot this is a moment in time right now right this is what i think i know and understand mm-hmm. about myself and about the world and the way that i that i move into it um but i'm going to keep asking questions i'm going to keep running experiments i look at you know so my current company you know we've been around for 4 years now mm-hmm. and we're growing nicely but built into the name of the company is the word project you know because to me it's a series of experiments this is a project for me you know, and and I wonder if we looked at building a good life as just a project with a series of experiments, you know, like that would give us so much more freedom to allow ourselves to be open to whatever the experiments yield rather than saying like this has to succeed now in this window of time. It's like, no, I'm going to run an experiment. You know, my, my goal is to actually just learn, mm-hmm. you know, and this may give me the an answer that I really want, which would be awesome. Yeah. Maybe you made an answer that I'm not all that comfortable with. Right. But then the question is, so what do I do with that? Right. You know, and then how do I actually run the next experiment and then the next?
0: I'm, I'm such a huge fan of experiments or games, whatever you want to call them for me. I feel like that's the way I learn is by taking on a challenge. Okay. For this week, for this month, I'm going to do something every single day to see what works, what didn't work or what I learned from it. And I feel like, and I usually do it around things I'm most afraid of. Yeah. Things I'm most afraid of like What's uh, an example of like what's like when I was a teenager, it was Like I was terrified to talk to girls. Yeah. So every day I was like anytime I get butterflies when I see a girl that I like, I have to go up and talk to right. her. Like that's my challenge. That's my game for the day. And uh and just say hello and see where the conversation goes. It right. was like terrifying. Another one was public speaking. I was terrified of speaking public so I said okay, every week I'm going to go to a public speaking class for mm. a year. And I did that, and I was able to see so much growth over the year. It was terrifying. It was horrible. It was, you know, (laughs) a lot of work, a lot of pain and suffering. But I see where I'm at now, like eight, nine years later from when I started that challenge. Like, I'm able to really be in front of people and make an impact. You know, still a lot more to go, still a lot farther to grow. But if I didn't take on that experiment or that challenge of that project years ago, then I wouldn't be here. And so I constantly... Take on challenges, projects, games, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I feel like that's the juice. It's like we learn. That's like my master's program, you know. The, it's when we take on those projects. Yeah. And it's like, I mean,
1: the moment that you decide that you're done, that you're good, you got it all figured out, to me, is the moment that you start living and stop living, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the moment that, like we yeah. said, that's the moment that growth ends.
0: Quaker has been a trusted name in breakfast for over 145 years, which is crazy to think about because that means they have been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, and the ballpoint pen. And while clearly a lot of things have changed since 1877, some things have stayed the same, like the great taste and quality of Quaker oats. I mean, I think we all grew up with Quaker in our household. Quaker has something for everyone, like old-fashioned and quick oats, great for cooking and baking, or instant oatmeal in different flavors, and varieties, one of my faves for a quick breakfast. And whether it's lower sugar or added protein or fiber, Quaker Oats can satisfy the whole family. There's even Quaker fruit fusion with real fruit pieces, added vitamins, and no artificial colors for a bold start to a bold morning. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats in your local grocery store. Isn't it obnoxious when companies have those sneaky gotchas?
1: You know, and at some point you'd love to be like, I mean, this is, you know, the quote that I throw around. It's part of like our good life project, living, create It's right towards the end, which is a good life is not a place at which you arise. It's a lens through what you see and create your world. You know, and so many of us are like, they're like, when I get there, then I'm going to be living that good right, life. Right, right. right. It's like, when I get this, I'm going to be living that good life. No. And like, I just need this much money in the bank or this house or this relationship or this power job. And, and then they get there and they're like, you know, Just a little bit more, you know, that's the answer is just, there's actually really fascinating research around this that's been done where people, you know, they'll ask, well, how much do you need to feel like, you know, like you're, you're good in life, Mm -hmm. you know? And
0: they say, well, a million
1: dollars. Right. And then they'll track people like, you know, like when they actually hit that number. And then they're not good. Never. Literally never. You know, then the, the, the amount is always a A little little bit further down the road. Why is that? It's, I think it's just the way that we're wired. We're constant. We're wired for more. You know, we're wired for discontent to a certain extent, and it's, it's really interesting. Um, I think part of it is just societally. You know, like mm. we're taught that these particular things matter. You know, like these. There, there's a set of metrics that that tell you when you've made it, when you're actually living that good life. You know, and it's kind of predefined by culture. You know, so what's interesting is that if you actually look at the American culture or Western culture in general, it's pretty universal. Right? It's a certain amount of money. It's mm-hmm. a job that makes a certain amount of money. It has a certain amount of prestige, a certain amount of cars in the garage, you know, a house of a certain size or an apartment of a certain size, you know, like it's all these standardized things, which basically are checkpoints that say, Okay, now you're living that good life. But when you actually leave Western culture, you go into more Eastern based cultures, the metrics change pretty profoundly. Even Western culture that's European versus American. You know, the emphasis on family, family, community, in Europe or South America, Central travel. America, totally different. Yeah. You know, it's so much less about what we have or how much we're making. I mean, if you go to Ireland and you're know, like the first question out of your mouth is, so what do you do for a living? <laughs> People are like, what's wrong with you? Right. You know, it's like they care about like, who are you as a human? They can't, they're actually more interested in like, you know, who is your family? Um and so there's, there's just become this really strong emphasis on what you have as the metric for living a good life in the U S and even in Western countries where it's not the U S base. It shifts pretty quickly to how deep are your relationships? How much time do you spend with people that you love that you can't get enough of? Then when you go even farther east, it's how much stillness do you have in your life? You know, it's how, how at peace are you? You know, do you lay your head down? At the end of the day, feeling like you've done meaningful work, you've been of service and you're at peace. You know, so if we actually started to exalt those as metrics that really define a life well lived, man, so many of us would then start to realize, Oh, I can actually have that right now.
0: Yeah. I don't need to chase something. Yeah.
1: Like I could be living this now. It's just a matter of like, I want to wear a different lens, Mm -hmm. you know, now. And it, it relieves so much pain because we don't have to feel like we're just this is all about suffering until I quote, make it. It's like, no, you know, like maybe circumstances aren't exactly as I need them to be now, but there's a whole lot of good right now too. And if I shift the metrics of what it means to actually be living that awesome life, there's so much, which I can either just see right, right here now that I don't see or create in the moment, you know, because I have control over my choice. Mm -hmm. Like I can move from being massively reactive and maniacally busy doing things that are generally um not all that meaningful to me and set by somebody else's agenda right so i i rest my head on my pillow at the end of the day being frazzled stressed no peace at all yeah. wiped out and when you ask me how my day was i'll tell you busy and you'll ask you know, ask well, like what did you do that matter and you'd be like i really don't know mm. versus saying okay i'm going to wake up in the morning and the first thing i'm going to do is just spend a few minutes in stillness and just like you know, get into myself and then ask myself, all right, what's the single most meaningful thing that I, the one single most meaningful thing that I could do today? You're know, like, let me do that. Everything, anything else that happens beyond that. Awesome. Bonus. Bonus yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, So check as many boxes as you want after that, you know, and ask, you know, and you wake up in the morning and this is like a morning bucket check, right? Really quick scan. You know, like how, how full is my vitality bucket today? You know, it's, it's zero to 10. Yeah, it's about a seven. Right? How full is my connection bucket today? Yeah, it's it's an eight. Like I feel like I'm I'm doing really good. I'm in loving relationships. I'm I've been talking to my friends and hanging out Mm -hmm. with them. You know, how full is my my contribution bucket? I don't feel like I've been doing stuff that's really mattering to me or like my strengths. I just don't feel like I'm really leveraging myself all that fully. It's just kind of low, right? So I'm probably gonna say, okay, so today I want to focus on doing a little something to fill that contribution bucket. I want to really figure out, okay, what can I do today that's really gonna make me feel like I'm standing in my strengths. You know, and you just like, you don't have to make the whole day maniacally about this. Just like, what's one little action I can take that'll fill that bucket a little bit? And like, you can rest your head at the pillow, you know, on your pillow at the end of the day saying, yeah, like, Mm -hmm. okay, A, I chose instead of just responding to other people's agendas. So right away it's a win, right? You, there's, there's something I call reactive life syndrome, right? Which is basically we go through life, you're being dominated by other people's agendas and being maniacally busy with stuff that doesn't matter to us you like the minute you choose, then that goes out the window because you move from being reactive to intentional right. and that's where life really starts mm-hmm. to light up. Where do you think our
0: suffering comes from?
1: Uh, life. <laughs> I think so much of it comes from, um, expectations, expectations about, about what we should have, who we should be, um, what life is supposed to be like. Uh, I think part of it is also, so part of it is expectations that have us chasing things that we think really matter that don't. Um, you know, there's a, and so part of it is that part of it is that we are also, most of us are softwired to seek security, slash, which also just another word for certainty. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's only one thing in life that I am absolutely certain about, and that is that we can never have certainty. Right. So so there's literally no conceivable way. There's nothing that we can do today or for the rest of our lives to lock down a certain future. Mm. A certain minute, a certain moment. Right? Nine eleven for me was a huge wake up call. Yeah. You know? Um, so by definition, if we invest the vast majority of our waking hours in trying to pursue something that's impossible to attain for our entire lives, that's suffering. Mm. You know, rather than saying, listen, I don't know what the future holds. I, I, I'm i going to lock it down as much as I can. You know, I'm gonna I want to have, a vision I wanna have some a... money in the bank yeah, so my yeah. family's taken care of. You, know, like, yes. you know, But fundamentally, I'm also going to acknowledge the fact that to a large extent, it's unlockdownable. I'm going to work really hard to do great work and do good things in the world. But at the same time, I know at the end of the day, life's uncertain.
0: Yeah. I think I learned that early on when I was 23 or 24. You know, I had a dream to play in the NFL and yeah. I got injured right. and I was like, my whole life was changed because there was no other option. This was like, this is happening. I'm gonna make it happen. But when I wasn't open to, okay, well, things change, or things are uncertain, or things, you know, maybe there's a different path for me. Like I wasn't even open to it, and so there was like this suffering and this pain and depression for a year and a half, two years, because I was just like, what do I do now? Yeah. What? So I'm curious. What? And yeah, it's It's interesting.
1: We've talked about this right probably a bunch of times, but I don't think I've ever asked you like. What, what snapped you out of it? Like what took you from a place of like laying on your sister's couch to back to a place of curiosity and possibility?
0: I think, uh, you know, my, my dad had gone through a a really bad accident at the same time a head trauma and he was in a coma for a few months and he wasn't able to really, he's still alive, but he hasn't been able to fully kind of recover to the dad that I knew, uh, emotionally, spiritually, he's just had a head trauma and, uh, it's, you know, so it's been hard for him to get back. And I remember taking care of him. We like had to teach him how to write and how to talk again, and how to just do normal functional things, remember certain things. And uh, I remember being like, "Wow, okay, like I don't have my dad to like just have my back or to Uh like go to mentor me to kind of lean back on." He was always like my safety net. Yeah, he was always like, "Go live your dream, and then come work for me." You know, go do your thing, and then when you're ready, when you're done with that, like I've got a spot for you, type of thing. So I never had to like figure it out on my own. He was always there to support me. And after a couple of years, I'm on my sister's couch. I was like, oh, my dad's not going to be able to support me. I'm, I'm not going to be able to like have him anymore as mm-hmm. a safety net. I was like, well, I can either continue living like this and feel like a worthless piece of crap on my sister's couch, yeah. adding no value to the world, or I can figure out what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And um, that's when I started taking on these challenges. I was like, okay, well, I want to make an impact. I need to learn how to speak and communicate. Because I was just a big dumb jock. you know. <laughs> I mean, I had a big heart and I could connect with people, but I didn't know how to deliver and package my message in a way that people were able to receive it. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing public speaking and then learning about online marketing because I was like, I just need to make money. And I was just like, okay, I'm discovery mode now and I'm going to try everything. Uh-huh. And um, I think that's what it was. I just made a decision after a couple of years. I was like, okay, I'm going to be something. Yeah. I'm going to make something of my life. I'm going to make an impact I'm gonna make a difference, you know, I'm gonna show people that I matter and um and do something with my life. Yeah. So that's it's just time and uh, awareness and awakening. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I, I think that's what happens with so many people too. It's sort of like you're like you're wallowing and wallowing and, wallowing yeah. and like you hit a point where you just like look
0: Sick and tired of being sick it, and tired. It, right, it's like
1: if I don't make a different choice now, this is going to be my life. That's it. And I'm not liking the trajectory yeah. that this is taking. It's sort of like this is this is one of the things that made me leave the law like way back mm-hmm. in the day. It's like I was I was coming up on 30 years old, you know, and I'm like, if I don't do this now, it's going to be another 20 years yeah. before I make this decision. And even though I wasn't comfortable doing it, and because you're making like,
0: good money, you've got yeah, security, like you've I got-
1: had the, the job that everybody wanted. You know, and I was like, but if I don't do this now, I literally, it's going to be a couple of decades before I'm going to be back in this place where I'm going to be willing to actually extract myself from the pain that I'm feeling now. Um, So I'm always, I'm always so curious, like what those inciting incidents are for people. Um,
0: I think I also had nothing to lose. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a family. I didn't have these things. So it's like, let me just go see what I can create since I'm already at the bottom, you know? Yeah, it was interesting. It was definitely an interesting time. But yeah. it's like With you your, gotta build momentum, you know, it's like yeah. nothing. And I just have to build momentum. It takes a while. So so here I'm sorry, I'm like
1: I'm taking over the interview. It's, okay. <laughs> it's, okay. it's like but I'm really curious because we've never talked about this. So part of part of the reason I wrote this, like when it really mm-hmm. comes down to it, is because I I would love for this book to go out into the world and be the inciting incident that that inspires somebody to say, wait. Let me think about things differently. Like yes. maybe like this is a moment where I don't have to blow things up. I can actually start. I'm curious with, with the School of Greatness when mm-hmm. you wrote the book, was that in your mind at all too as like one of the reasons for the book? To be like um, – To sort of like be this like thing that kind of
0: like sparks yeah, somebody. Absolutely, yeah, Absolutely, yeah. I mean I, when I read 4-Hour Week, that was like the catalyst for me to start working and everything I was doing yeah. eight years ago. And I was like I want to create a piece of work that opens people up to possibilities, yeah. to what's possible in their life. And to, like, start moving forward towards that life that they want. And uh, absolutely. So that's great. I mean, I, I like also, you have a, a thing about nature in here too. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, you totally. have all these different <laughs> challenges, you know, a 30-day challenge here about how to, you know, fill up your buckets, which I think is extremely important because playing games, having challenges, having a project, whatever you want to call it, is something I think we should always be doing. And uh, I think you give some great examples of how to take it on so we don't have to think of our own challenge yeah.
1: and that was the whole idea i was like you know i could I, i'm a writer fundamentally yeah. so i love i just the craft of writing i love i love mm-hmm. actually like obsessing over sentences and, right, right. and stuff <laughs> like that so i'm a weirdo like that um but fundamentally also i want to write something that was you know i'm in the middle of my life mm-hmm. I, I i'm i have my days are full yeah. you know and and i have a lot of friends that are in the same position and i want to to create something that was actionable for somebody that already had a full life and where they could just like, they get, there was something to do every day where they could just flip it open. I mean, literally, you can, you can read this not linearly. You can mm-hmm. pick a chapter. Anywhere, it's a yeah. day. Say, like, this is something I'm going to do today. You know, it's short. It's sweet, but it makes a difference. And a lot of the stuff is also all scientifically validated. You know, right. there's, there's research behind it. Um, but the, you brought up the tree thing, which is, which is something that I've known intuitively for, for life is that like my reset is nature. Yeah. It's either the woods or the beach. Um, for me, I grew up, the beach was the end of my road. So the water for me is really mm. like where I touch stone. But also, I mean, there's something about being in nature, especially walking in the woods, which is just like profoundly calming. It's a major reset for me. So I got really curious and turns out there's that, there's, there's a ton of research on how nature literally, you know, it changes our physiology hmm. um, and our mindset and our, you know, the chemicals that are coursing through us. Um, there, There's actually, there's a Japanese word, shinrin-yoku, which translates to forest bathing. And there are shinrin-yoku designated forests in Japan, where they wow. literally designated where, you know, you can go into them and just walking in these forests, leave, it will literally change your life. Um, but, you know, not all of us have forests, right? Mm-hmm. So the research also shows that simply being in an office or being at home during the day, and being in a setting where you have a plant in view that you can see versus having no greenery at all, even that tiny thing makes a really big difference.
0: Interesting, yeah. So have plants—it's crazy. Something in your office or in right. your
1: house. So it's like as simple as you know, like—you go out for a walk where there, you know, you're, you're around a whole bunch of greenery. But even if you can, and you're in, your, in yeah. your home or work setting put something green in it and it actually makes a difference. I little things. I believe
0: that. I mean, just imagine yourself in a box all day, you know, with no life in there. It's hard to feel alive, I guess when you're in the box constantly without life, but when you put life in there, then you know, you're connected in a different way. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's even, there there are studies done on um, hospital patients. Um, Ones where you're in a room where there's, you can't see out the window with trees and others where there's actually a window with trees the recovery rates are
0: faster, they no experience way. less
1: pain, and they're discharged more quickly from the hospital.
0: Oh, that's crazy. When you have a
1: window where you can see, like, nature outside. That's it. crazy. It's amazing. I
0: think it's all – I mean, it's, it seems – I mean, it seems true because it's like if you can see possibility of growth and if you can see, like, yeah, yeah. something that's alive – you probably feel more inspired to get out. I don't know. Yeah. As opposed to just seeing a brick wall yeah. in New York City, you know, across the street from your window or something. Right. Whatever it is, it just, it makes a difference. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I know. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. What's missing in your life right now?
1: Um, space. Um, two things space, uh, but that's a deliberate choice right now and working with my hands. Um, so for me, you know, I've, Whenever you're bringing something to life, which is a big project you worked on for years, things get compressed and your days get, get busy. Um, and I hate that word busy, but, but it, you know, the saving grace for me, and I think it's really important for anybody is that it's okay to fill your day with a lot of stuff, but do it deliberately. Don't just take it by default. Don't let like other people's stuff pile into your day to fill it up. Fill your day with stuff that you've chosen matters to you. So right now, like, there's not a ton of space in my days because mm-hmm. um, I'm bringing something that I care deeply about to the world. So they're filled as I, like, bring it out there. But I'm choosing. You know, this is – so I'm choosing what I'm going to do. I'm choosing what matters, why it matters. And I'm choosing to be in this place for a certain window of time where I know I'll then step back out of it. Yeah. And at the same time, I still have a daily practice, you know, which keeps me – my mindset still and allows me to still optimize and fill my vitality mm. bucket. And if – that starts to get messed up. I'll pull back. Um, the other thing is working with my hands. I uh, There's something like that. I don't know if you feel this way too, but I grew up mm-hmm. as a kid working with my hands and I was an artist also. And then I built houses in the summers during college. Mm-hmm. And there's something about creating where like you're physically using your hands to make something. And then at the end of it, you can step back and just like see it and touch it and yeah. feel it and be like – I made that. That's cool. And I haven't been, I've been creating a lot, but in the digital space over the last couple of years. It's not the same. And I'm feeling this itch to Mm. actually dive in and just work with my hands more. Mm. What would you make? A guitar. Mm. <laughs> I've been I talking about this that. for years. Um, yeah. and, 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 and so part of it is like, that's going to be actually kind of like probably one of my rewards. Um, After the book comes yeah, out. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's, I've uh, got to learn to, a, to you, actually do that.
0: You haven't done it before? Man. I
1: haven't. You know, you can, you can go to these you know, programs basically in classes,
0: kind of schools, yeah. Dive intensely. I've had a friend do that too. Yeah. 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 Um, you go for like a week or two and you like make a guitar. Right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. Crazy. But even just little things like work with my hands. Like I've started, like I'll start painting a little bit again. Mm-hmm. and just to feel like I'm making stuff with my hands um, mm, and making cool. art, yeah. That's
0: cool. Yeah, I feel like I don't have that itch, but I have the itch to create art through sports. Yeah, To play, your to, use my, to use my yeah. hand, to, like, throw a ball, to catch, to, like, touch people, like, be messy on, in sports and playing basketball. It's like, I, that's my itch, you yeah. Know? But um, and maybe because I'm just not that talented at the artist stuff yet. Maybe it's not something. even that. It's
1: it's that that is your artistry, right?
0: Right. You know, is, your yeah.
1: canvas is is athletics, is yes. sports, is movement.
0: For me, it's beautiful. It,
1: yeah. It's you know, I feel like. No, I've seen you. I've seen like footage of you in right. like, various <laughs> different settings. I'm like, that is mastery. Like, right, that yeah. is that is artistry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what are you grateful for in your life? Ah, uh, my family. Like, I mean, I'm grateful for so much. My God, there's like almost nothing that I could say I'm not grateful mm-hmm. for. But the thing that comes to me first and foremost, my family. I mean, mm. you know, my wife is just one of the most amazing people on the planet. And my kid is, you know, an awesome human being who's yeah, growing cool. into a really just a, a you know, a she's good, awesome. a good person yeah. um, who cares about the world. And, uh, um, yeah. And, and my wife is also my business partner too. So mm. we literally work together and live together and breathe together 24 seven. Um, and we're married almost 20 years now.
0: Wow. How do you um, navigate that when you're married and work you know, together? Yeah,
1: it's so funny. People are like, you guys should do some sort of program or <laughs> workshop on like building a life and building a business together. And we're like, honestly, we don't, we, we don't know how it works. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just does. We have different skills. We, I think a big part of it is we're really fortunate in over a period of a you know long time together. We've grown as individuals in a way where we're still deeply complementary to each other, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes honoring your own personal path has people growing away from um, the way that they they need to be to stay together. Mm. And and that's a tough thing, but it's also an okay thing. Wait,
0: say that again. Honoring your own personal path, what?
1: You know, I think so. It's really important to to honor your own personal growth, to grow into the person that you know, like to become fully expressed as who you are as an individual in the world. You know, and when we're in relationship with other people, whether it's a partner or friends Mm -hmm. or even business partners, you know, if each one of us are like doing what we need to do to become who we need to be individually, we change, we evolve. And over a period of years or decades, sometimes you change and evolve in a way where you're still deeply connected and complementary and the relationship still is profoundly beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you evolve in a way individually where – You're not as complimentary anymore. You know, it doesn't mesh nearly as well anymore. Maybe it's a business partner. It's time to, you know, grow apart. Maybe it's a partner in life. Um, and so part of, you know, a part of it, I think is work. Part of it is all the classic stuff for relationships. Part of it is also, you know, honoring who we need to become individually. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain amount of, of just luck in that still being the person Mm. who's still deeply complimentary. And you're like, we're, we're blessed. Yeah. In that we've both grown individually in a lot of ways, in a way where we're both like just so profoundly still in love with each other, Um and love working together.
0: That's amazing, you
1: know, and co-creating stuff together and building community, and um and we also just on a practical level, like from a business standpoint, we do different things, yeah, yeah, and we have different MOS and yeah. we're good at different things, so, so it works. It works in yeah. both areas. In the relationship it's not for everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're growing so much. I feel like. So many people are growing apart in in relationships as yeah. well, right? Marriages. It's like more and more divorce. Yeah. Do you think it's because people are growing into who they truly are more and more, or do you think it's more of a cop out and they're just not working enough? Yeah.
1: Um I don't know if I have an answer to that. Mm. Um yeah.
0: yeah. Uh everyone's I, different, huh?
1: Yeah. Although here's a really interesting um bit of data, and I, I haven't validated this, but I've sort of actually been told it recently. Uh, is that Arranged marriages actually have a higher success rate than what I would call mm-hmm. sort of like a natural, you know, like yeah. love-based marriage. And I don't, there's, there may be all sorts of societal constructs that make that not healthy right. or healthier. I don't really know, but it's kind of like that. When I heard that, it stopped me. I was like, huh, what's really going on there? But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have, I don't have an answer to that, but, um, I just, it's
0: crazy. This life knock on wood every you know? day, I
1: consider myself blessed that's and grateful. That yeah, that's
0: great. Congrats on that. Um, this is called the three truths, three truths question. Cool. So it's your last day, many years from now. Mm. All your work has been erased from time. Yeah. And you have a piece of paper and a pen to write down three things you know to be true about everything you've created in your life that you would then pass on to your family, friends, and the world. Mm. What would be your
1: three truths? Uh, lead with love, Uh meaning matters, and embrace the unknown.
0: I like those. Those They're solid. Uh, two final questions. Uh, but before I do want to make sure everyone, before I ask them, I want to make sure everyone gets the book, how to live a good life by Jonathan fields, soulful stories, surprising science and practical wisdom. Make sure to pick it up right now. And, um, in on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, there'll also be a link on the show notes on how to get this. So go pick up a copy, um, and let Jonathan know what you think. Um, Before I ask the final question, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, Jonathan, for your incredible friendship to me and your incredible grace. I look at you as such an incredible, as a graceful human being. Uh, Thank you. And that grace for me is like, is like guidance. You're like this guiding individual human being that really leads with soul. And for me, it's something that I really appreciate because, you know, you helped me with so many things and. When I was going through a lot of discovery in myself, I turned to you for guidance and grace. So I want to acknowledge you for what you've created in the world and how you've shown up for me to be willing to, you know, bear my soul to you and, and talk about things that that happened to me and really reveal it on the podcast a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, that that episode that we did together brought so much healing for not only me mm-hmm. but so many people in the world. So mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge you for your continual showing up giving leading with love and um being so graceful
1: uh thank you man i appreciate that of
0: course yeah and the final question is what's your definition of greatness Mm. um
1: yeah it's like it's probably evolving for me um owning the doing the work to really understand who you are what matters to you in the world um and how you need to express yourself, and then um, aligning the actions, aligning the way that you live every day with the truth of who you are, in a way where you close the gap between that person and the person you bring to the world.
0: Mm. Jonathan Fields, thanks, man. Yeah, appreciate it, bro there you have it i hope you enjoyed this interview with my dear friend jonathan fields again such an incredible human being who is a leader to so many people you know whenever people talk about jonathan or speak in with his name in a sentence it's always in a good light i don't think i've ever heard anyone say anything negative about jonathan he's just such a good person and very wise so make sure to share this with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 394. Connect with Jonathan. Make sure to get his new book, How to Live a Good Life. If you feel like something's missing right now, pick up the book and start reading it. As always, if this is your first time here, then welcome. Welcome to the School of Greatness community. Make sure to uh, leave us a message over on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, at lewishouse. Let us know what you thought of this. And subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes. Uh, And let us know what you thought. Leave a review if you feel so inclined. I love you so very much. We do this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So if this is your first time here, get ready because you've got greatness coming your way. As always, guys, thank you so much for being here. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.